Hello and welcome back to uh, WHW Binghamton. This is the Center for Civic Engagement radio show. Um, as always, you can contact us with any questions or comments that you might have uh, at cceradioshow at gmail.com or you can tweet at us at cceradioshow. Uh, you can also listen to some of our past uh, shows on soundcloud.com slash cceradioshow. Today I am very happy to have on uh, Caitlin Vollinger. Uh, Caitlin is uh, another uh, one of our great uh, students in the Center for Civic Engagement. How are you doing today, Caitlin? I'm great, thanks, Austin. How are you? Good. So let's uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. I am the student faculty scholar at the Center for Civic Engagement this year. It is a scholarship program in which I am in charge of promoting community issues in the in forum events. So we hold panel discussions and then student discussions about issues in the community and issues that students find to be especially important to them. And then we also provide them with ways that they can be involved right afterwards. So why did you decide to join the CC? Um, well, I've always gotten the emails about faculty student scholars and I've looked at them, I've looked at them, and I was kind of looking for something to add to my senior year to get involved, to be engaged, and I read the CCE's entry and I thought it would be a great fit and I'm very happy that I did. Great. Um, so what other things are you involved in around campus besides CC? Sure, I'm a third year RA on campus in the apartment communities in Hillside. Um, and I also work for the nutritionist on campus doing a lot of marketing and promotional things and programming. Uh, that's something I really love to do. I'm passionate about food and our access to food and the quality of our food. So that's something I really enjoy to do as well. The, uh, the funny part about that is uh, Caitlin is actually my RA this year, so there's a little bit, uh, <laughs> hopefully she doesn't write me up ever, but uh, <laughs> so far I haven't had to worry about that. But uh, other than that, you will have uh, a couple events coming up, um, so tell us a little bit about those three sure. events. Sure. We're calling them the Knowledgeable November Series, and they are three community issue forums. The first... Uh, is based on poverty. So we have local change makers that are involved with trying to help our community um, kind of combat the effects of poverty. And that is on November 6th from 6 to 8 in UU 108. And that is uh, co-sponsored by Dr. David Campbell's class. And we will be serving refreshments and having a wonderful panel discussion about poverty and how we, we as students can kind of combat poverty both in our daily lives and in our careers. And similar format, also sponsored by Dr. David Campbell um, and his class on uh, community engagement, will be a community issue forums focused on sustainability and sustainable living. So we also have a bunch of people from our community that have making, made changes um, whether it be through their career, whether it be through their lives. Um, but that is on November 13th from 5.30 to 7.30 in the Hinman Commons on campus. And the third is a panel discussion surrounding 
genetically modified organisms, which is a very hot topic. A lot of people know a little bit about it, and then they have big, big opinions about it. So we're trying to present GMOs in a neutral format in which people can come to their opinions on their own, not be forced either way. Uh, so we have two very prestigious professors, one from Binghamton, Dr. Um, Dr. Richard Andrus, and we have a professor from Cornell, Cornell's plant biology department, um, and his name is Dr. Peter Davies, and they will both be talking about GMOs, how they affect us, where they are in our food supply, and then we will have a panel discussion after that. That's also sponsored by BUA Acres, which we're very excited about because that is an awesome program on campus, giving awesome food to us in the dining halls. So, so, t- so I think out of those topics, I'd probably say GMOs are probably the least well-known. So can, can you explain to us what GMOs exactly are? Sure. A GMO, GMO stands for a genetically modified organism, um, and is as it relates to food, it is changing the genetic makeup in a way that wouldn't happen naturally. So you think of crossbreeding or like the pea experiments that we all learn in middle school and high school where they pollinate different plants. This is actually splicing genes and changing the genetic makeup of actual foods, plants, and that type of thing. Um, A lot of the Pros are that they create drought-resistant crops. They create crops that are more uniform, that are more shelf-stable. So a big, like, proponents of GMOs will say that they're able to feed more people more more consistently throughout the world in places where food may not grow as well or is more prone to drought. Um, But a lot of people also are concerned about the ways in which they're affecting our genetic material when we're playing with our foods, what exactly is that doing to our genes? Um, And there's a big push in our country um, just for labeling. In the EU and other countries in the world, labels are at least mandatory for any genetically modified foods. But in our country, you do not have to genetically modify, or you do not have to label if you have genetically modified organisms in your products. However, buying organic will ensure that there are no GMOs in your food. So that's kind of a little overview of GMOs, but we're really hoping to have a neutral debate and present people with the information that they can clearly understand and that they can feel good about making their own personal decisions about. Um, So one of the big, uh, I'll call it a player in the GMO debate that I've heard a lot about, and I'm by nowhere close to an expert on GMOs and basically mostly don't know much about it, is Monsanto. So what is Monsanto exactly? Monsanto is a company um, that is an agricultural business company that works to provide seeds and agricultural supplies to people, but it's it's based on the market. It's based on big business. So when you're thinking farmers, you're thinking local towns, people making a living for their food, providing food for their community. Monsanto is a worldwide company that is genetically modifying seeds in order to sell them on a mass, mass scale globally. Um, So there's a lot of debate about how we're taking our food and making it a global issue more than sticking to our local roots and eating locally. 
again, I'm not an expert on GMOs either, but there there's definitely a dark cloud cast over Monsanto. Um, they have made, like they just came out with a corn called Drought Guard, and it is helping farmers, even in our country, produce the food and make a living for themselves. But a lot of people are wondering, what's that going to do to the local farmers, local sustainable people who are using better practices for the environment, doing things locally, using old traditional methods of farming. Um, so that's kind of a little overview on Monsanto. But right. there's so much information online that you can look that up. So so I want to uh, see um, and examine what the impact is on Binghamton University. So our food uh, our food suppliers, Sodexo, as I think most of us know, um, is there an effort among students to have Sodexo label foods, whether they are GMOs? So is this, is the labeling of GMOs, is this at a, um, at the Monsanto level where it's an original problem? So for example, does Sodexo know that our food has, has um, GMOs in them? Um, they may, mo there's, there's a good portion. Well, certain foods are definitely more prone to being genetically modified. Corn, soybeans, wheat, um, vegetables, certain ones have been genetically modified. Um, however, it depends on how much you look. Um, we definitely have them. All of us eat them yeah. unless you are 100% organic and ex extremely, extremely diligent about what you buy and what you eat. Um, but the best example I could say on campus is BU Acres. They are an organic farm, so that means they do not use any GMOs, and they provide food through the CIW dining hall. Um, so I'm sure if there was a push by students to label on campus, even if there wasn't a national or statewide push for GMOs, I think we would be able to do it because Sodexo is very student-minded. They're very driven to get food that students want to eat, will eat into the dining mm. halls. So, so what's the conne the uh, connection? Uh, so we have three. You have three different um, forums coming up on uh, poverty, sustainability, and GMOs. So, what's the interconnectedness between um, these three topics um, in pursuing and pr in pursuing them, and also um, bring knowledge to these issues? Sure. Um, well, as far as poverty, sustainability, and genetically modified organisms go, it all kind of boils down to food access. Who has what access to what foods and how they're provided with these foods? Um, for example, people in poverty have a very limited choice mm -hmm. depending on where they live, depending on the transportation that's available to them. And sometimes we often say, oh, well, why are lower income people frequenting McDonald's more often, well that may be the only place they can get food accessibly mm -hmm. at a low cost. Um, and as far as being sustainable, a lot of genetically modified and like Monsanto for example, these things do go against many of the sustain sustainability principles, um, which work towards bettering our future, making our environment more livable, more accessible to all people, more equitable. Um, and then genetically modified organisms, that is our whole food supply. So obviously we can't be worried about poverty and sustainability if we don't have a food supply. Um, 
So they all really boil down to just who has access to what and how to make the world a more fair and equal place. Hmm. It's very interesting. And I know, uh, I think it was three weeks ago now, we had uh, Michael Leahy from the, uh, the director of the child program um, on the show, and he gave a, a really interesting um, perspective on poverty um, and food access uh, within the community. Um, so what are ways that students um, can help um, in these um, forums um, specifically? Sure. Well, the biggest help that an individual student can do is come and get educated. Without education, you aren't empowered. You aren't going to have any motivation to take action. Uh, that's a, a big problem with a lot of hot topics in our society. We learn one nugget of information that we see on the news. Maybe it's the first thing that comes out in a headline on a newspaper. And we kind of grasp onto that idea and adopt it as our own without really learning and educating ourselves about the whole problem and how it affects multiple different people. Um, so just making an effort to educate yourself, even if you can't make it to one of the community issue forums or even all of them, but make sure you're educated and knowledgeable from many different sources that are reputable and learning and then becoming active in, in a way that you find beneficial to you and to the community is the best thing you can do. Yeah, uh, and that sounds great. Um, I'm definitely looking forward um, to hearing about these events and probably attending some of these events. They sound um, like they can be great. So what's the um, sustainability? Um, you know, sustainability is a big buzzword. Um, you can hear in basically any sort of debate on a number, number of topics. Um, so to you, what? how do you define sustainability? Sure. Um, well, I am an Envive minor, <laughs> and so we do focus a lot on sustainability and sustainable living. There's a big push now to kind of use the word livable interchangeably with sustainable. Um, livable is supposed to describe how how we live and how we communicate and function as a community. Um, so being sustainable, I guess, would ensure our future and better the ways that we interact with each other and our environment and our built environment and our cities and kind of make more of a neighborly local push for community. Agreed. That, so how is uh, how does the sustainability um, movement and how does I guess the livable communities movement um, how is that functioning at Binghamton University um, currently? Sure well I think any college campus and especially ours because we have such distinct living situations each community has their own spirit and their own traditions that's kind of what we want to see in the real world when people have pride and have a stake in where they live and who they live with and the traditions and the culture of of that place then they will begin to take care of it they will begin to care for it they will begin to have a stake they will want to change it they will want to better it in the future so we already have the community aspect on campus and I know the ITC building is working a lot to 
help with the actual implementation of being green and sustainable with geothermal heating. So that's where the ground kind of works as mm -hmm. your heating system instead of using a lot of natural gas or other types of ways to heat. So it is both a human on the human level interactions as well as built environment and kind of changing our infrastructure to s ensure for a longer lasting yeah, I mean, sustainability. I, 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 I personally, you know, I've been here for a little more than two years now, and it's been interesting to see the, uh, the varying um, debates on sustainability that have emerged. So one of the, uh, one of the debates that I remember uh, from last year that was pretty kind of interesting from that perspective was on uh, the deer in the nature oh, preserve. Yep. And if you've ever spent any time in the nature preserve or walking around it or any time on the campus of Binghamton University after like 7 p.m., you're gonna see deer. Yep. Um, so I mean, just last night I was uh, uh, attending a group's um, haunted trail walk, and as I was walking around, I think I saw, I don't know, three or four deer. And the crazy part is, and I think this is part of the problem too, is that it seems like they're more comfortable around yep. humans. Um, so I was walking on like the left side of the road, and the deer was just chilling on the right side standing there and didn't even move whereas I, f I feel like I can remember when if a deer had seen me like walking on the side it would have freaked out and like ran away Right. Um, yep. and the debate recently at BU was um, on how to help eradicate um, some of the deer so there was talks of sharpshooters coming in over winter break there was talk of earth control on trees yeah. um, so what how does the um, environmental, specifically on um, uh, animal um, populations, play into sustainability? Sure. Well, a lot of people would argue that the problem we're having with deer now is because we've killed off their um, predators. So without predators, they're left to roam free and m multiply, really. Um, so not only do we have an uh, overabundance of deer, now we have an underabundance of new growth in our forests. So as of now, without new growing trees, the trees that we have, once they die, we're going to have barren lands and our beautiful forests are going to be no longer. So it does come into a bigger picture rather than just, oh, why are we killing these cute little creatures. Why are we killing Bambi? <laughs> right, exactly. And coming from upstate, seeing three or four deer in yeah. a day is like nothing. Um, so it's very funny to see different people's perspectives and where they're from in the state or in the country, or even in the world for that matter, people who've never seen deer at all. But um, so having no new growth is not a sustainable way to live. Um, so I'm not going to advocate for mass murdering of deer or any animal for that matter, um, but I do think it is an important issue that we need to start curtailing. And if that happens to be by killing some deer, then that's what needs to happen. And that kind of goes into feeding the hungry. I mean, it, yeah. is, a, it is a source of food. Why not use what we have here, use a problem to our advantage? Yeah, I mean, I know it was funny I remember uh, the day we moved in 
Um, I'm from a little bit more of a wooded suburb of of New York City, uh, more northern Westchester. So I'm used to seeing deer, whereas uh, two of my roommates um, were are from either New York City or su- suburbs that are more urban of New York City. And there was a deer outside, and one of my roommates' whole family came out. I was pointing at the deer, <laughs> and we were in awe of the deer that was outside. It's like, oh, it's a deer. Fantastic. Great. Right. I hope I don't go – I hope it doesn't run in front of the road in front of me. Like, so it's it's always interesting and a little comical, certainly, yeah. when you get the varying reactions to when you see, um, you know, animals that are maybe not as native yep. to your um, area. So uh, I think we're running low on time. Um, so I'm going to end with uh, our classic final question on the CC radio show, which is, what do you think is the best kept secret of Binghamton University and of the Southern Tier? Oh, well, I think the best kept secret is the grassroots effort to be local. And I'm a huge foodie, as I was saying before. Um, our local food scene here, even on Binghamton University campus, campus because I work so closely with the nutritionist and Sodexo, like we are a hotbed for the future as far as health goes and local and sustainable ways of eating and living. And I think we're going to see that grow exponentially. There's local grocery stores called like Old Barn Hollow and Down to Earth Whole Foods that are run by local people that are really, that have been here for a year, two years, five years. And it's really starting to become trendy. And I'm excited to see how that really that really explodes over the next few years. And of the Southern Tier? Are you including the local food in the I'm Southern Tier? Lo- I'm kind of including that in Southern uh, Tier. So Breweries what? are cool down here. <laughs> okay. Sure. Um, so what are your... Give us uh, some examples of some local eateries that are very uh, sustainable and, um, I guess, use local food. Right. Well, Hole in the Wall uses local grass-fed beef. Um, Down to Earth Whole Foods has awesome things like a pawpaw. I've never heard of that. <laughs> it's an indigenous fruit to our area, <laughs> and it's incredible. And I just had it for the first time. It's this cross between a mango and like a banana custard. It's an awesome fruit. So um, I think those probably are two of my favorite examples. Hmm. So. Very interesting. Well, thank you so much, Kaylin, for coming on to the show. And yeah, as a thank reminder, you. Um, the the forums coming up are um, the poverty one is on November 6th from 6 to 8 p.m. in University Union 108. That's the old union. Um, sus- there's a, the sustainability forum on the 13th from 530 to 730 in Hymn and Commons. And finally, the one on genetically modified organisms is on November 21st from 6 to 8 p.m. in Lecture Hall 9. Um, thanks, Caitlin, again for coming Thank on. Thank you. This has been the Center for Civic Engagement Radio Show on WHRW Binghamton. Thank you, and have a good night.